NBA Straya, how are you going? Hang on, mate. That's right, it's NBA Straya. It's Wednesday, September 29th. Happy birthday to the best man of my wedding. Old bio, hanging out. Happy birthday, big fella. Uh, I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes. Sometimes. Very rarely now. Uh, for Rolling Stone, Triple J, Junkie, whoever else wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff, here. In lockdown, Larry Armour Studios. Oh, lockdowns, bro. We've got to stay locked down forever, man. Just, you can't go to the pub ever again. Fucking Jesus! Anyway, here hanging out, giving you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of the NBA preseason. That's right, it's not the off-season anymore, it's preseason. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, and obviously, what we do here on NBA Australia, we are firmly anti-nerd shit. So go listen to your nerd shit if you want nerd shit. We're just here to keep you abreast of things and have a bit of fun. Anyway, so the season's basically here, right? Media Day happened. Uh, We've got training camps open. So there's a bit of NBA news and guff. Uh, Ben Simmons still hasn't been traded, which is hilarious. So we'll do a couple of quick yenars today as well as the news. Then finally work through our numbers 50 to 26 in the NBA Strayer rank. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is hilarious. 75 for 75. It's so pointless. I love it. But then we've got a big old chat with our mate Dave Thornton. That's right. Friend of the program, recurring guest, Dave Thornton, comedian, telly and radio star, the face of Uncle Toby's in Australia. I love it. Uh, it's always a good chat with Thorno, talking about basketball, boomers, dad stuff, lockdown, comedy. Always a great day with Thorno once. That's really good. Uh, and that'll be that. We might finish off with a very, very brief, I don't know, cooking with Baines or something at the end. You have to stay tuned for that. But either way, NBA Australia episode 6677. Use your words, Jimmy. Let's go. This is Matthew Delvedover and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Oh, you better watch out for the dumb fuck attack. <laughs> Media day. Uh, you got to do uh, research. Oh, I've got my beliefs. I don't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> Fuckwits everywhere. Fuckwits as far as the eye can see. Anyway, <laughs> let's get stuck in, shall we? I'm going to talk about that. Uh, with the Daily Whip Round. That's how we start every show here in NBA Australia, isn't it? Media Day Chaos. Look, I uh, tweeted out the link. Uh, Vincent Goodwill had a really good piece for Yahoo yesterday about uh, giving airtime to fucking idiots and why we shouldn't. And the point is 90% of uh, the NBA uh, player cadre is actually vaccinated, which is great. We should be focusing on that. And it was really fucking heartening to have LeBron come out and go, yeah, I looked at it, went, oh, yeah. To protect my friends and family and those around me, I got vaccinated. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Kyrie, Brad Beal, Andrew Wiggins are out there just being fucking morons. I go, oh, no, it's my beliefs. What are your beliefs, Andrew? That's private. Oh, yeah, so your beliefs supersede those of a doctor's, do they, Andrew? You fucking, we're Kyrie. He's an idiot. Beal's an idiot. Bill out there, oh, well, even if you're being vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't get it. Yeah, but you might not fucking die from it, Bradley, you idiot. Anyway, uh, the other chaos, 
<laughs> Seriously, I fucking hate this. This is just dead shittery writ large, right? Like 90% of the league have gotten the COVID vaccine, you know, to prevent people from fucking getting sick and potentially dying. And there's 10% that are self is fucked with. That's basically how it rolls. Um, I mean, seriously, at this point, if you're looking at, what, six and a half billion odd doses worldwide in the face of a pandemic that's killed over five million people or whatever, I mean, while completely fucking up perfectly healthy folks, if you've met any or if you've spoken to people who have like been dealing with like shit like lung, long COVID or if you've got old folks who have got like long-lasting side effects from it, yeah, it's fucked. So if you're also going, nah, man, I'm going to do my own research, then fucking show your research or get in the bin you fucking dummy, right? Why is it always people who can barely fucking read saying shit like, oh, do your own research? Your research includes watching fucking five minutes of YouTube videos, you dipshit. Fuck off, idiot. Anyway, it's <laughs> I love that point about like the, uh, the people who can barely read saying to do your own research. It's like, Kyrie, it takes you five minutes to read a paragraph. <laughs> what are you doing? Unbelievable scenes. But anyway, other media day stuff that popped off. Turns out Zion Williamson, big truck himself, had bloody foot surgery in the offseason and no one knew about it. Fifth metatarsal at his foot. And it uh, looks like they believe he'll be right to go by the start of the season. Everybody else is looking askance and going, the 300-pound gigantor with foot problems. You reckon he's going to be back in like about a month? What? Three weeks? Yeah, nah. <laughs> That's fucked, mate. Um, it's pretty funny because Zion, at the best of times, walk, walks around and runs like he's got a fucking turtle head poking out. I'll tell you that much. In his shorts. Um, but this is wild, isn't it? Like, Zion, I've been... Uh, if you listen to this show on the reg, I've uh, got a healthy dose of skepticism about Zion. I love the bloke. But seriously, at the same time, I mean, we've got unbelievably large amounts of evidence like he just keeps getting fucking hurt it's like surgery after surgery for him right like what are we doing he's had high like surgery when he was younger surgery in college surgery in his pro career time and time again and when you're that fucking big and you're putting that much torque and explosiveness because he's wildly athletic at the same time i'd just be a little bit worried um there was also a fun weird story of david griffin uh apparently sitting down in his uh hotel room during the bubble and playing him a bit of piano or piano if you prefer <laughs> piano that's what the uh, squid calls it um david griffin was like what <laughs> i don't even play piano and zion was like what i ain't gonna let no damn grown-ass man into my hotel room to play piano for me because apparently zion hasn't watched the last dance and doesn't appreciate michael jordan uh cigar in hand and mouth playing along with the piano um also, who doesn't want someone playing piano for them? I'd love that. It's a hard day. Go back to your hotel room and there's there's your boss. He's like, g'day, Jimmy. You want to play a bit of fucking chopsticks? And I'm like, oh, yeah, go on. <laughs> Show us what you got. Uh, basically, all I'm seeing is that New Orleans are fucked this year. So next week's show, we're going to get really into the nuts and guts, um, not only of our top 25 players, but we're going to start the actual team's season preview, which is going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, hashtag spoiler alert. I'm not big on New Orleans. Michael Porter Jr. More like Michael Porter fucking rich guy. Signed his five-year maximum contract. Goes up to 207 million bucks. Everyone's like, jeez, 207 million for Michael Porter Jr. And then you're like, no. It's five years, 172 million. 
unless he cracks the All-NBA criteria of making the Supermax. And just a reminder, making an All-NBA team is fucking hard. Just a heads up, forwards slash people who will be vying for that this year. Luca, LeBron, Paul George, Spindles, Zion, Clay, Joker, AD. That's the West. Giannis, KD, Mitty, Butts, Julius. Like, that's just off the top of my fucking head. Holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, I think we can safely just say 172 mil for Michael Porter Jr. That said, I kind of like it. Like, Jimmy, is this a good contract? Yeah, nah. I mean, you're paying. It's a fucking risk. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but at the same time, his shooting, his scoring ability, it's exactly, exactly what Denver need around a uh, now-injured jam and Jamal Murray and the big Nikola Jokic, the Joker. All you're hoping is that he stays healthy and he actually starts fucking trying on defense. I love when people are like, oh, no, nah, but he started trying. He started trying. It's like, he's a fucking professional athlete. Of course he should be trying on defense, you fucking idiots. Oh, I hate the idea. It's like, oh, I'm an elite scorer. I don't have to try on D. Fuck off. Speak to Michael Jordan about that. Uh, but the vibe is, I kind of like it because he could be an absolute special offensive talent. And, as I said, the fit in Denver is perfect. And also, if you want to trade him for Ben Simmons, the salaries now match up. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. In fact, let's get to it now. Ben Simmons. Right. Uh, I do have a post. (laughs) So I've stayed clear of Ben Simmons bashing, trashing, uh, essentially after he pulled out of the Olympics. uh, We sort of jumped in, told him to go get fucked, and now he's like... Well, we sort of mentioned on the last, you know, couple of weeks where the shows where he's like, yeah, nah, I don't want to play with the Sixers ever again. And as we sort of get more and more out of this story, it seems like uh, Clutch are trying to drive the narrative that he wants out for his own sake. Oh, because he wants his own team because he's not reaching his potential in Philly. I mean, just give him a team with shooters and he'll be amazing. And so we, Thorno and I talk about this later on in the show. And... My question to you is, oh, yeah? Based on fucking what? Don't get me wrong. I love Ben Simmons. I've got multiple Ben Simmons jerseys. The squid's got his. I want nothing but the best for him. I want him to represent Australia. I love it. But at the same time, you're fucking delusional at this point, aren't you? If you're like, oh, well, you know, I want to have my own team. So what happens in the fourth quarter, Ben? On your own team. Are you going to take zero shots like you did in the last four games against Atlanta in the series that your team fucking lost? Oh, I can't coexist with Joel Embiid. You mean the fucking MVP level big man who has now extended his game out past the three-point arc because you refuse to fucking shoot? What? Do you, like, based on what are you like, oh, I want my own team. Like, what is his role... That just yells, oh, I deserve my su- my superstar flowers as an absolute gun. Was it was it his role in Philly that he's so upset about that saw him take three shots in seven fourth quarters against Atlanta? Or his role that saw him not take a shot in four straight fourth quarters against Atlanta? Or was it he was afraid, you know? Oh, it's Doc's fault. It's Embiid's fault. Oh, they threw me under the bus. Grow a fucking pair. You know what? You deserve the criticism. That's what I don't get about this entire fucking debate. He was shit. He packed his dax. They called him out. That's good. That's personal growth. Personal growth 
versus his professional growth at this point in his fucking career. Uh, we did have like the, you know, the comment on Facebook was, oh, but what about when he, he was playing without Joel and they won 17 straight games? Yeah, in his rookie year. He has not gotten a, any fucking lick better offensively since that day either. You know? He's an extreme talent. If he gets his head out of his, out of his ass, we might actually see it. Look, the way I see it, he missed a big, big, big trick, right? Not playing for Australia at the Olympics. Because we could have seen this basically as a prototype. He could have proved that a team built around him with shooters, with other playmakers, could succeed. But he was too busy having a fucking sook, going over to London to get his end wet. And this is it. Like He can say he wants his own team until the cows come home. He just gave up a great opportunity to prove that that was actually fucking a worthwhile effort. And now we've got zero fucking evidence that he's a number one guy. Oh, but in his rookie year when they didn't have Joel and around shooters, yeah, guess what Joel and B can do? He can shoot. You know what Seth Curry can do? Shoot. Tobias Harris, he can shoot. Corkmaz can shoot. Jesus Christ. Oh, 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 I need my own team to be me. All you are, all me has proven to be, is a bloke who refuses to fucking shoot in fourth quarters because you're afraid. So best of luck with that. Like the best, the thing that cracks me up about this is that Simo's like, oh, Moon and B don't fit well together. Why do you think that is, Ben? Is it because you haven't developed any sort of fucking jump shot in five fucking years? Do you think that might be it? You fucking dog. I mean, seriously. Hi, my name's Ben Simmons, and I don't want to play with one of the best centers in the NBA. Because, uh, not because of me. <laughs> really? Really? This is 100% going to be a grass is greener vibe. Where he's going to land somewhere else and go, geez, it'd be nice to have a dominant defensively center who can also shoot threes. Oh, you mean like Joel Embiid, Ben? And there's a great stat as well about how uh, Simmons and Embiid on off the court. Simmons is a plus minus of minus 88 without Joel Embiid in his career. So without Embiid on the court, he's a minus 88. A plus minus of plus 980 with Embiid on the court. So, oh, I just don't think we can coexist. I just don't think we can coexist. Work fucking harder. Take some shots and learn how to shoot. Jesus Christ. I love this sort of stuff as well. Like league sources say the primary motivation for clutch sports aggressive holdout is to steer him to a team built around him on offense. Jeez. So you mean putting him on a team where there'd be shooters, like, I don't know, say a modern big man who can shoot almost 38% from three, perhaps. Maybe a couple of wings who shoot 405 and 395 from deep. Maybe another dude who hits them at 45%. Jeez, that team would be successful. Oh, is that the Sixers, Jimmy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. So since 2019, uh, with Embiid in 145 games, Simo 16 points plus 1.1 on off, you know? Without Embiid in 49 games, he's a minus 4.3 on and off. Averages three points extra a game. His real true shooting percentage actually drops a bit. And uh, yeah, less assists, great. And the 76ers, when Ben was out there without Embiid, 39 win pace. With Embiid, 56 win pace. So enjoy that. Basically, what I'm going to get to here, what do we all think is going to happen? Well, he'll end up in what? Houston, Cleveland, Portland. Somewhere he reckons he can run and gun and he'll stink for the next five years. Then he'll be 30. He'll have never won shit. 
and he still won't be able to shoot and nobody will want him. So <laughs> how's that good for your brand is my big question, you know? It's like, oh, I'll go to Houston and hang out with Jalen Green, yeah? Cool. So how's that going to be for the next three, four years? You'll turn around, you'll be 28, 29. <laughs> and best of luck with it. Uh, all right, quick couple of yeah, nahs. Nate Sanderson, Jimmy, yeah, nah. Paddy Thrill starts more games than Kyrie this year. Yeah, nah. Ooh, might be on the cards if Kyrie refuses to get vaccinated and can't play home games in uh, New York, which is hilarious because there goes all the uh, Nets home games that he can't play as well as the games that they play against division rivals, the New York Knickerbockers of New York City. And there's going to be other states that it's like, it seems like most of them are mandating the idea that uh, traveling teams will be able to get like uh, exceptions. But if you're living there and playing there, it's going to be a bit of a trouble. Um, but at the same time, I think the Nets uh, have a pretty clear inbuilt system to deal with this, right? Like they just, they're going to be starting Harden at point guard anyway. We've seen that with the three of them playing together. It's a lot more Harden at point guard. But they can also just roll out Harden, uh, Joe Harris, KD. And then a combination of Bruce Brown, Blake, or Aldridge, right? And keep Patty, probably as the uh, bench El Fuego scorer. And this is one of those things you got to remember. I think Patty comes off the bench and wins six man of the year this year. Like, we're going to get into all of our picks and previews in the next couple of weeks. Again, hashtag spoiler alert Patty for six man of the year. It's on the cards. It can very fucking easily happen. For so many years toiling away in the obscurity down in San Antonio, Paddy's going to be there thrusting the limelight in a shit ton of big games on a bunch, a bunch, I tell you, of nationally televised games too. And we finally get to see Paddy Thrills on the big stage. You know, not that the uh, finals weren't a big stage for the Spurs, but at the same time, uh, on a team that gets a shit ton of press. Uh, next one up, uh, does Ben Simmons get traded before the season? Yeah, nah. So I always turn to the Allen Iverson Detroit-Denver trade. And it came out of nowhere three days before the season started. It could happen, but at the same time, this is Daryl Morey. If he doesn't get an offer he likes, I honestly don't think he does, right? Like, why not? The dude's basically going to be paying you not to play. So you can maybe use that leverage to see if you can get some inkling of a reconciliation, even a temporary one, right, between Doc and Joel and Ben. And some of the articles did point out that they actually did go and meet Ben in LA with Rich Paul, and Ben was just uh, pretty non-communicative about why he was unhappy with his role. Doc tried to talk him into the idea of how Doc was going to use him this year. And as we talk with, talk about with Thorno, I just kind of feel like if you just want to fucking sort this out, just go hang out with Joel for like three days in Vegas or the Bahamas, or just on a beach somewhere. We're going to Cabo. We're going to get shit-faced. We're going to have some fucking margaritas. Shit's going to get loose. It's going to be awesome. Uh, But at the same time, this is also one of those crucial moments where teams are pretty happy with their rosters, right? You don't see a giant amount of movement in this little period because even though there's like, you know, teams trying to figure out the guaranteed contracts that they have, etc., there's no real big moves because they're just kind of like, we could have made them already. And now we're sort of seeing our dudes in action. The optimism is through, through the charts. So uh, I think if Simmons comes back and plays and looks good, then you'll see offers from other teams like Portland, uh, maybe like Denver, maybe Houston, etc. Teams that are sitting there basically by December when you can actually trade players who sign the contract in the offseason. 
you'll see teams that are either in struggle town or feel like they're just that one defensive piece away, and maybe they roll the dice with Ben Simmons. And Philly, it'd be fascinating if he doesn't play, if they discover that they're actually fine without him, you know? And then maybe Moray blinks and goes, look, if we're doing okay without him, my asking price can come down and I'll be happy with this and this in exchange for Ben Simmons rather than this, 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 and this, and this, and this, which is what you know he's asking for right now. All right, let's take a really quick break and come back with the uh, NBA Australia rank of the 50th ranked NBA player through to the 26th in Jimmy's pointless NBA Australia rank right after, let's say, this one. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, it's the NBA Australia ranks 75 for 75, 75 years of the NBA, man. Better rank the top 75 players right now. Uh, basically, this is, uh, you know, 50 through 26 of the dudes I reckon are the uh, top 75, excluding the rookies, excluding basically the top 75 for this year, you know. Uh, so that's why Kawhi, Jam and Jamar won't be in there. And i uh, got a couple of names that might surprise you in this bit. But here we go, let's do it. I'm going to switch around 50 and 51 right off the bat. That's right, Buddy Heald was at 50. I thought about it. I went, wait, the sex man, Colin Sexton's better than Buddy Heald. What am I doing? 25 and 5 versus just Heald knocking in threes. 19 points a game for Heald. Look, he's good. I get it. But really, really, he would have been amazing on the Lakers. But the sex man just objectively is just better, I think. Clint Capella comes in at 49 as a defensive linchpin because he's better than Miles Turner, Nurk, the Zinger, the, guy, the guys I had in the 50s uh, last week. And you saw it. In some uh, instances during the playoffs, he was wildly valuable. In some other series, they didn't really need him too much. And that's the modern NBA. And that's fine. You're paying a shit ton of money, but when uh, you need to throw him at like Joel Embiid or just some other big dudes, having him there and having him sort of as your backstop for John Collins, Trey Young, Kevin fucking Huerta. And dudes, Clint Capella is pretty valuable. Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, huge. Oh, it's back-to-back Hawks. There you go. He was huge for the Hawks at times in the playoffs. When he was injured, it just put a massive dent in their chances too. But luckily, he came good and uh, was very, very handy in the Eastern Conference Finals in the last couple of games. But yeah, look, if he's fully healthy, who knows what could happen, but he's definitely in the top 50. Draymond Green at 47. At different times the last couple of years, he's looked completely cooked, but... I'm going to leave him top 50 just because of his defensive nous, his communication, his leadership, and uh, the fact that he ran KD out of Golden State. <laughs> 46 to Bias Harris just because he's the least inspiring third banana basically going. I just, Look, Tobias Harris should be way higher than 46, but this is my list, and there has not been a point in my entire basketball-watching career which is very long at this point because I'm old as fuck. But also where I've watched Tobias Harris, I'm going, geez, I enjoy watching Tobias Harris. This is great. Yes, he proved me wrong a couple of times last year with a, you know, a couple of clutch plays here and there, but otherwise, oof. He's the dude who just... All right, folks, I'm going to come out and get you 26. Can you get us 40? We need you. Tobias, he's like, no can do, chief. 26 or nothing. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. Uh, at least you know your limitations. Clay Thompson. 
Interesting one. He's at 45. Why is that, Jimmy? Because he hasn't played since 2019, and he's coming off an Achilles. I love Clay. When he does get out there, and there are reports that it's just like, you know, he's feeling good, looking good. They love having him back around in practices, etc. But it's going to take Clay a while to uh, build back up, coming off an ACL and an Achilles, which just fucking sucks. So robbed him two years of his goddamn prime. Uh, but here, he's hoping that Clay comes back and is really, really helpful and handy for this Warriors team this year. I love him. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Diazza, 25 and 7 last year. He's at 44. He's just an awesome, awesome watch. Still not entirely convinced how much that uh, really leads to winning games, De'Aaron Fox. But he's going to get there. Maturing, he and Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, look. Sacramento is going to be a mess again this year. They've got like five centers, which is fucking hilarious. And like just the worst wings. <laughs> but Darren Fox is a gun. I love him. He's at 44. Same for Fred Van Vliet of the fighting Van Vliet. Just a lazy 19 and 6 last year with a big booty car Larry in and out. Now the big booty's gone. Fred Van Vliet might have to have another kid just to uh, <laughs> bump him up this list to uh, MVP status. But either way, He's uh, at 43. 42 is DeRozan there. He's old mucker. He and Kyle's old mucker, which is kind of fun. Good on him. And DeMar had like one of the just weirdest sort of years last year, averaging 21 points a game. You barely would have noticed it. Everyone and their dog falls over themselves and go, oh, but Jimmy, but he's, he's evolved as a playmaker now. He's pretty good as a passer. Yeah, he's also 32. So enjoy that, Chicago. Uh, a dude who's not going to shoot threes. You've got Vooch, you've got Zachy Cakes, Adam Levine, you've got Lonzo, and you've got DeMar. I'm fascinated to see this Chicago team this year. Speaking of which, we've got back-to-back Bulls, Vooch. No one knows what Vooch wins you because he's never won anything, right? He averaged three points less a game in Chicago after he got traded there from Orlando last year. 21.5 points, 11.5 rebounds. Still very handy. Still one of the best offensive centers in the NBA. Don't know how far he's going to take you. Uh, I've got MPJ here at 40 with a bit of a note that he could skyrocket in the top 25 this year. But at the moment, just because we saw flashes of it in the playoffs, but we didn't see enough consistency, and this is his year to prove it. He's got the big contract. He's going to have to. Uh, the Suvlaki King, Demata Sabonis. Oh, the combo, mate. Thanks, Demartis. Cheers, mate. Easy on the tomato. Double lettuce. Bit of garlic sauce if you go. But Sabonis... This is going to be a fascinating year for Indy. Uh, he had a, what, 2012 and 7 year last year. He's an all-star. Hey, now, you're an all-star. You're Sabone is. Uh, Demartis, I love him. I'm just, I want to see more from this Indy team this year. And with a new coach, who knows what's going to happen. Rick Carlisle, I'm excited to see what, if he can unlock the Suva. Uh, big Boudicca Larry, he's old as fuck. He's at 38. I mean... It was tempting to have him sort of like higher up, but at the same time, some of the dudes ahead of him, it's like, Carlisle is like 36, homie. He's going to be in Miami. He's going to be good. He's going to be heady. He's going to be handy. But he's not going to be better than Shy Redder Gilgis Alexander. He's at 37. This is a dude who could easily talk about vaulting into the top 25 with MPJ. SGA is at 37 because he played 35 games last year before the Thunder went, oh, I think that's enough. <laughs> We need to draft Josh Giddy, bro. So you need to uh, sit for half a season. Brutal. But SJ is awesome. I love him. Zachy Cakes Adam Levine's at 36. That's only basically because this is a big year for Zachy Cakes Adam Levine. 
he's been pinged as empty calories essentially his entire run in Chicago and prior to that, obviously, with the Wolves. Now it's prove-it time. It's like, you want a big contract, Zachy Cakes? Come on, what do you got? Uh, Pascal Sikkim-Siakam shits the bed too regularly for me to have him much higher than this, but he is very, very, very handy when he's on. Again, consistency is the key. Siakam at times is awesome, at times was absolutely shit else. CJ McCollum was right there last year, all-star vibes, and then got hurt. That sucked. And again, the size is always going to be a problem with the Dame and CJ backcourt, but I love CJ McCollum. So I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, he stays healthy this year and can sort of go back to that uh, first half of the year before he got hurt uh, vibe because he was dominating. It was great. Shooting the shit out of it, putting up 25 points a game. Absolutely no hassles. DeAndre Ayton uh, came along leaps and bounds in the second half of last year. This is the Chris Paul effect. He's at 33. LaMelo Ball... Uh, I guess it must be balling season then. Is that right? Is it balling season? Would you get your merch? Get your merch? It's balling season. Okay, get your merch. Team up. Get your merch. Get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch. 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 Um, the size, the playmaking, the scoring. He shouldn't have won rookie of the year. He played fuck all games. Ant Man should have won it, but Lamelo, look, he's absurdly talented. We all know that. Very, very interesting to see his year go. I just, Charlotte as well, that's going to be a weird team. You just look at the lineup and go, wait, is this center Miles Plum? Mason Plumley? What are we doing? Joseph Rusty's at 31. Rusty Westbrook, he's still a beast. Now in LA, it does let LeBron just chill the fuck out for a bit. And you sort of look at this like LeBron with Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Like That's a fair, hilarious combo. And then, oh yeah, LeBron, sure. And then all the other weird pieces on that Lakers team. But Rusty, just as a player, I've got him at 31 because in terms of the shooting, in terms of all the stuff that he does and doesn't do, I can't have him too much higher. And like especially above some of these players that I'm about to list off, uh, well, that I'll list off in next week because we're at 31. We've got Jar Morant. He's basically at the moment a better shooting version of Rusty, right? An athletic phenomenon. Does a little bit of everything. Insane leader. I love him. He's great. A little bit more defensively from Jar next year, and away we go. Uh, now we've got Ben Simmons. He's at 29. I probably would have had him higher, but for the uh, shitting himself in the playoffs, refusing to shoot, and should have won Defensive Player of the Year, but didn't. But look, he's still a top 30 player in the NBA. Bam! Bam! Out of bio. Speaking of Defensive Players of the Year, Bam is right there. He's the, basically the backstop linchpin again for Miami. A team that like is out there going, no, no, that's fine, bro. We've got like uh, we've got Duncan Robinsons, like oh Jesus. Now they've got PJ Tucker. Maybe Bam gets like a little bit of a uh, little bit more freedom on the defensive end if someone else on the uh, perimeter aside from Jimmy Butts is actually playing D. But Bam's awesome. I love him. He's a twenty-eight, twenty-seven. I've got Spindles Ingram. Tell you what, go look at Spindles Ingram's last two years. They're basically exactly the same. Everyone like fucking fell over themselves to jack off about how great he was. It's like 23.8 points, same shooting splits, basically a little bit of a drop in his threes. He had five rebounds, five assists versus six rebounds and four assists the year before. He had, uh, what was it, half, half a turnover less per game last season. Otherwise, it's basically he is what he is. And I'll, if we see another leap from him this year, that'd be kind of handy. And then at 26, this one hurts me. And I've talked about Zion before. He's ahead of him. I've got a couple of other names on there that I don't, prefer, but this is a playoff uh, 
Actually, we talk about this with Thorno as well. A playoff performance has also dinged Julius Randle, who's at 26, who would have been in my top six, seven of MVP votes last year. I just want to see him have another dominant regular season and actually go into the playoffs next year and keep on dominating because he was awesome. It was such a great story last year. Then Knicks, he puts them on on his back, those broad shoulders of Julius Randle. Did a little bit of everything and then ran into the meat grinder of Atlanta and couldn't do shit. So... That's why I've got him in 26, and I can easily make a case, I reckon, for uh, him to be ahead of probably anybody in the next five spots, but then it starts getting a little bit tougher. So Julius at 26 at the moment, that's the cutoff point for this week. Kind of love it. It's a fun list there. Julius, Spindles, Bam, Ben, Jar, Rusty, Lamello, DeAndre Ayton, CJ, Siakam, Zachy Cakes, Adam Levine, SGA, Lowry, the Suvlaki King, MPJ, Vooch, Freddie Van Vliet, Diazza Fox, Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, Draymond, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, and the Sex Man switching spots with Buddy Hill. Right, let's go hang out with Dave Thornton. Have a bit of a laugh. Right after this. This is Nick Kay, and you'll listen to NBA Australia. All right, I promise you the top of the show. That's right. What, friend of the program, recurring guest, he's literally been requested by some of you nutters out there, which is pretty good. You might remember him from the last, what, two or three times he's been on the show or his time on, what, commercial radio, his time on the telly. Uh, personally, I reckon he was awesome as Troy in Upper Middle Bogan. Always love that one. Um, you might know him from, what, telly, radio, stand-up, his extremely good Instagram videos, He's also, though, best known as the bloke that I run into down the cafe or at the playground on the odd occasion. And also, <laughs> as the face of oatmeal in Australia, it's Uncle Toby's <laughs> spokesman, Dave Thornton. Thorno! What's going on? Yeah, yeah, mate, I'm in bed with big oats. That's me now. <laughs> I, man, I feel like I am friend of the show. I mean, pulling back the curtain, we just talked for 20 minutes then about our kids. That's, that's true Brunswick dad style. 100%. That is... We had to get it out of the way. As much as both of us love basketball, we unloaded like parents of young children did. And then we're like, cool, now let's talk sports. So we couldn't be more of a cliche of straight men. I love it. Lockie D 6.0 now with added earthquakes and uh, no <laughs> no playgrounds for a while, a while there as well. I mean, how has this one treated you? So you haven't been on for a while, but there was... So we live in the same area. We've got playgrounds and parks everywhere. Um, I was at the front of our shared local cafe when that earthquake hit and just fucking wobbled like a, you know, jelly on a plate. Yeah. It was fucking gnarly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had the moment where playgrounds got shut down. I don't know about you, but, again, I think it happened last year as well, and it's just the worst feeling in the world, isn't it, when that happens? And then when they reopen it, you're like, I don't know why this should be such a ray of fucking sunshine, but it is, and here we are. Mate, I remember I took the – I got a two- and a five-year-old. I took them to the playground, our local playground. And for people who don't live in Victoria, like we have very hard rules, which is fair enough. They're in place doing what they do. But I, I went to our local cafe, got a coffee, and my partner goes, hey, you realise, according to the laws, they don't want parents to take their masks down so you can't drink coffee? And I said, if the guy in charge reckons I'm parenting without caffeine, he, he's good. <laughs> he can well and truly F himself. And then I thought, what am I supposed to do, like stand 50 metres away from it 
sipping on my coffee. He's like, what are you doing? Just looking at the kids. I can't get any closer. They won't let me. Like that's that's creepy. <laughs> I mean, I've done it though. Like that's I've had like the the dog, the pram, and the squid, and I've just gone have fucking at it, and then just walked like thirty meters away to drink my coffee. I'm just like, oh, I can kind of <laughs> yeah. see him. If he falls, he's fucked. But I mean, if he falls, what am I going to do anyway? Catch him? Like I'm up within like catching distance all the time. So, um, I also got bought a very uh, nice new coffee uh, travel coffee mug by uh, my wife for. Uh, Father's Day, obviously, which has happened during this lockdown. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Not use this amazing Japanese super tech fucking amazing coffee cup? Of course I'm going to use it all the time. I'm just going to be a delinquent dad while I do it. Yeah, yeah. Mate, that coffee cup's new. Your kid's been around for two and a half years. I mean, you got used to that. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's already got all these things and scratches and shit, so whatever. This one's pristine. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's already pre-loved, as they call it in the biz. It's like, sorry, mate, if you... Yeah, the only way, if we resold you, which sounds crook for a child, you'd have to go to the salvos. You're not a new item anymore. I'm sorry. So, but like, <laughs> lockdown, uh, it feels like we're veterans of it now. And it's just, is it weird sort of now that you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait until I can just, like, stand near a playground and drink a beer? Because we can't still, we still can't do that until, like, the end of October, right? Man, I was saying this to my partner recently, saying, a lot of Victorians, especially Melbourneians, are complaining about the fact that our social graces are out the window because you just don't interact with other people a lot. And I said, I've never used it, but that app of like couch to 5K when people do the running and it's supposed to be interval running, you walk and then you run for 50 metres and then you jog. And I feel like socially we're going to have to do that, James, where we'll go to a party, go, hey, I'm doing a minute. And then I'm just going to have to sit on the couch for a bit. (laughs) Then I'm going to come back for two more minutes because I would have had to think about a new topic. And look, I'll get there. You give me three months, we'll be back in the game. But just for now, it's interval training. I love it. Like It's like the people I talk to most in my life are a two and a half year old, my wife, and literally my barista. And there's like no one else. There's like... This is weird. I need more fucking input. And it's weird because I just end up, my brain is just turning into mush, I think. But anyway, look, what have you been doing with yourself comedy-wise? Like, how, like you're a stand-up comedian in a time where you can't stand up in front of people and be a comedian. That seems a bit fucky. Mate, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, the Musos uh, just went down with the ship of the Titanic, and I feel like that is symbolic <laughs> about what entertainers are like when the shit hits the fan. It's like, oh, we don't really need you at this point in time. But um, I do do Zoom gigs, do a lot of Zoom gigs. We're obviously doing this across Zoom. And, man, they're a necessary evil. It's always the same thing. It's like, oh, the office needs to pick me up, man. They are really flat. And you're like, I'm not a mental health officer. A couple, 20 minutes of dick jokes isn't going to save the office, all right? I think there's a lot more work to be done. But, of course, you got to pay the mortgage. So I said, okay, I'll do this. And... One of the worst ones, mate, was like it was a lunchtime gig for this business and invariably when you do these gigs, people are nice because they're on Zoom. You can see their faces smiling. Unfortunately, they have to be on silent because uh, they, Zoom can't handle all the noise at one time. So you just met with silence. But at least if people are smiling, you go, okay, they that, seem to be responding. That landed. Cool. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay, we'll fake this. And we're all... It's all weird right now, so we just put up with the weirdness. And maybe they're happy to not be going through a shit meeting. They're just happy for someone to be probably swearing, to be honest, at a, at a corporate function. And But I did this one. I get on there. It's a lunchtime gig. 
we usually get someone to introduce me just to give it some context to just know I'm not some weirdo who's the CEO's brother-in-law. <laughs> just decided to give this a run. Dave and, from the mailroom, he just decided to tell some jokes. What's going on? Yeah, I've been thinking during lockdown and I'm really going to follow my passion, guys. And <laughs> I get on this thing, it's just the IT guy. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? Because I usually expect it's like upper management who are just going to give them a bit of a spiel about, hey, hope, hopefully everything's okay and here's, here's some comedy. This guy's like, don't know, mate. I've got this, like basically a blurb from Wikipedia. And it's just me and him. And I'm like, so then what happens? He goes, then I get off the call. And I said, how many people are on this? He goes, dunno. And I went, okay. And then, so he did it, gets off. I can see no one. I still to this day don't know if people were on it. I mean, admittedly, some people were nice to send me messages on social media and said, oh man, I enjoyed that. But it was just me looking at my own face for 20 minutes (laughs) telling jokes that I'd already heard. So, I mean... I didn't need to see it. And then I just finished the 20 minutes, got off like your weird parents. You know when parents are on FaceTime and, they don't, and they're like, where's the button? Well, yeah. What do I do? And and I'm just like, okay, thanks, guys. Whoever saw that, I don't know if anyone did, clicked myself off and then just walked around Brunswick aimlessly, <laughs> not knowing what to do with myself. Like, what, has it come down to this? That's literally just like... T- Talk like that's very, very uh, NBA Strayer-esque of just yelling into a microphone and just assuming <laughs> that people are listening. It's just like just yelling into the ether. But at least I'm not like looking at a screen <laughs> of myself the entire time, which would be fucking weird, I reckon. <clears throat> I mean, oh, mate, it's just constant. Your brain, my brain, I had to shut my brain down from going, what are you doing? What, 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 what are you even doing with yourself? What, what, what is happening here? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, even at, like, so the NBA Australia live streams that we did during the Olympics, like at least I knew, like it was just me and I could see myself. But the thing is we had the comments on. So like the fact that people were on it, giving me shit, yelling at me to do shoeys, all that sort of uh, hilarious guff that we do here on NBA Australia. Like that was nice. That was interactions. And I enjoyed that, but it was still fucking weird having to watch me and sort of have like cardboard cutout deli behind me and, all the dumb stuff I've got in the NBA Australia studio. Uh, but at least like the interaction was kind of there. I mean, actually, I was thinking about this before. Did you did you do any actual live shows where people had to wear masks inside? Uh, yes. Uh, at the start of the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year, the first day, because I was at the forum upstairs and everyone in there uh, had to wear a mask on the first night because the rules were still in place then. And we had DHHS officers going around checking that everyone had masks on. <laughs> shit. And it, simultaneously, because the forum's just near the MCG, there were 50,000 people piling into the MCG. And even the officers were really nice about it. I said, so you're aware they're all going in? And they said, probably they're using the same turnstiles. I have no idea why that's fine and this is not. And they were really nice about it and going, don't know, man, I'm just the soldier. I'm not the general to this war. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. And they're all great. But weirdly enough, then three days later, masks are off. The mandates come through. It's fine. Um, <laughs> sure. Like, sure, you know. Was it, was I, it weird I, and different? Like, were people laughing the same amount with masks on as they maybe would have without? Or did um, you just I not have a good show and it's like not that much going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, these yeah, jokes yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It was like it's like I slept with my partner and I lasted 15 seconds. So, oh, I was the condom. It was the condom that did it. That was the thing that really made it bad. Um, it was um, 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know because it was the first night of the comedy festival and it had been such a long break. There were so many other things running through my head and I wasn't sure of what the sound of the room made and all that kind of stuff. Who knows? Like so many times in this shit fight that is a lockdown, is it worth analysing or is it worth just getting through it yeah. and going, okay. Yeah. Like Push you bury yourself in a hole trying to think about why in God's name we, <laughs> we can't drink a coffee at a playground, you know? <laughs> Oh, that kills me! It, like we got to, uh, we got to take the squid to uh, the live action Bluey at the Art Center, which was uh, absolute chaos, as you'd expect. Like ten a.m. on a Saturday morning at the uh, Art Center, kids just running around everywhere, and all these like sad parents in like the masks, like sipping their coffee underneath it, and then going into the actual like uh, theater for the live Bluey, and it was awesome. And all the parents are sitting there just going, "Well, this is great." I've entertained the kid for like 45 minutes. This is an absolute win of a weekend. We're done. But then it was so fucking strange to have everybody over the age of, you know, two and a half essentially wearing masks. And the weirdest part I found was like running into people we knew in the crowd who we didn't even realize until like you're walking past. And I'm sure you've had this happen where you have to do the, hey, is it? And then you have to pull down your mask and go, hey, hey, it's me. Ah, there you go. And like we had like three friends there. We didn't even know. But the mask has made it so fucking strange and weird. And like everyone was like almost basically in their own little pods with their kids. It was like fuck all interactions. It was very strange, very weird, and just a weird sort of experience. And then like, yeah, lockdown kicked in again like a week later. So um, the kid still talks about that day, loves, it, loves his bluey, as does every kid in the world. But, uh, yeah, it was yeah. just a weird experience that we got in just before lockdown kicked in again. Mate, I mean, this is the thing as well. So not a, you, you're right. There's all those hurdles to socialise. And then on top of it, you finally go, mate, what's going on? And you've got nothing. You absolutely <laughs> have nothing to draw from except possibly, you know, how miserable it's been. That's why even you mentioned it earlier, but the earthquake because no one died, there was very little damage, and I'm sorry to the people who, that did have damage, but it was almost a good thing because it gave us something to talk about. Yeah, it was 24 hours or something to go, hey, did you feel that? Hey, how? That was weird, wasn't it? Like That was pretty much every conversation I had, and it was great because it was different. It's like, thank God for this. Like, I don't have basketball to talk about at the moment. Like, the NFL's just starting. Footy's wrapping up. Like, we had a weekend where we had no footy or anything, and so what the fuck else? At least we got an earthquake. Yeah. Mind you, though, and this is how long we, uh, between our conversations, I had to laugh because with the NBA playoffs, they got a huge run in our house. As my partner calls them, the never-offs. She's like, there's another game? I'm like, there's another game. And there's, there's also, at times, a game that's playing simultaneously. So there's another game I'm not watching, okay? And that finishes. She goes, oh, thank God. And then you're like, Olympics are here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> boomers and opals we're on she's like oh god okay and we got through that you bet we did and then it was like luke longley's got an interview on australian story you bet he has i get that on a double episode <laughs> then, then netflix has got the untold story about the malice in the palace she's like it is enough that is enough <laughs> now i'm like but now it's trade period this yeah. is so good <laughs> i love it like partners need an off season as well like <clears throat> that's where it's at i mean uh i did We'll just talk about the boomers in a second, but I did love the fact that uh, you now have a relationship with a former NBA player, um, a very intimate relationship where you've lucked out with the, <laughs> the human highlight reel. Best mates. I when love you- this. This is incredible. What a story. How did this happen, Dave? Mate, I- <laughs> 
So I follow him on Instagram. I liked his last post about him and John Collins. He just put something up. I was like, cool, like. And then I didn't think anything of it. I remember it was distinctly it was a Friday. This makes it sound like it's a rom-com. I don't know the date, but I do know the day. And I just said, babe, I'm going to do some work and then I'll take the kids. I get in the front room. She's in the back room with the kids. (laughs) I run in. I'm like, oh, my God. And she, because this is only a couple of days after the earthquake, she's like, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, the greatest day ever. And then, of course, I clock my family. I'm like, fourth greatest day ever. And and she goes, I said, I'm now friends with Dominique Wilkins. She's like, what are you talking about? And I rushed in, grabbed my uh, vintage number 21 Hawks jersey that I got like 10 years ago. And I said, this guy. And she's like, why are you friends with him? I said, I don't know. Like he it came up and he said, he's now following you. I looked at the time difference. I'm like, he's gone to bed. Maybe his thumb slipped. But then I just went for it and I posted all across Instagram that Dominique Wilkins is now my friend. And, mate, it was a certain demographic of male, like only people <laughs> our age, <laughs> who were just going, that's the greatest thing ever. Then it. someone added Bliss from Bliss and Esso because he's done a song where he, the entire verse is about Dominique Wilkins and he's wearing a Wilkins jersey. Where you're like, Then he becomes mates on Instagram. He's like, bro. Send him my video clip. I'm like, oh, we're not actual mates. This this could be a mistake. Like, I'm just living this up until he wakes up and he's like, who the fuck is this? And uh, and then I just put on my stories. I was like, greatest day ever. I'm friends with Dominique Wilkins on Instagram. He then reposted that. Like, how good is this? I mean, it, maybe it blows his mind apart that some schmuck in Australia uh, is is huge fans of his. And there was a lot of debate about, you know, he's the greatest number 21 that ever played, better than Tim Duncan. There was a lot of that going on on the page. And I don't know, he's still following me. I check it far too regularly to see if he's axed me yet. I love it. Like, it's, there's like, you talk about like a specific generation of people who understand like the importance of that as well and love it. I also think there's an important aspect of the Dominic Wilkins love in Australia that comes with, the two guys that you saw at every music festival between the years 2003 and 2016 that would always be wearing one variation of a Dominic Wilkins jersey because at every festival there was a mandated uh, idea that there had to be at least two wearing (laughs) Dominic Wilkins throwback jerseys because every festival I went to in that time as the editor of fucking Beat Magazine, Triple J, all that, and, of course, I just like going to festivals, you know, before I had kids. And without fail, you'd always see the dude. And I loved it because at that point in time, like, you got to remember, jerseys were a lot harder to get a hold of than they are now. So it spoke to the person's, like, lack, well, you know, at least the effort that they've put into it and actually gone out of the way to get a Dominic Wilkins jersey, not a Jordan jersey, not a, like, you know, run-of-the-mill at the time, you could probably get an Allen Iverson jersey, a Kobe jersey, a Shaq jersey. These motherfuckers had Dominic Wilkins jerseys, and I loved it. You know, being a massive NBA head during the thousands, it was, you know, pretty lean times there. But at least I could go to a festival, see the throwback jerseys, and then it was always amazing to me just watching the rise and rise and rise of jerseys as Australians realised, wait, most of our festivals take place outside when it's hot. Basketball jerseys are fucking great for that. And then boom, it was everywhere. But still, 
There would always be two to three Dominic Wilkins jerseys, no matter where you were. It was great. I loved it. So I, I, I saw know, that. And I'm like, you're just basically hanging out Falls 2008. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just drinking a Smirnoff Black, living it real large. I actually, this is a shout out. People can you can message me on Instagram because I did that during lockdown. Uh, a half drunk jersey buy is right in my hitting zone. When you're on the couch, you go, ah, all my reward systems are out the door. <laughs> oh, look, I'm on the Mitchell and Ness website. And I bought them because he said, we're back in stock. And I bought a Manute Bowl, Washington Bullets, Amazing. 1986. Amazing. And my partner's like, you never wear these things. And I'm like, I will now. And then, uh, but of course, it was in US dollars. I was like, okay, that was more expensive than I anticipated. And then it was only a medium. I thought I probably should go large. But okay, maybe because American size is bigger. I get it. Of course, I don't fit into it. So if anyone wants a not in touched, <laughs> worn for 30 seconds of disappointment, Manute Bowl jersey, it's on offer. Because she's like, you're just wasting money. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I am. This is, <laughs> 100% wasted it. It's an investment. There you go. DM Dave if you want the Manute. <laughs> I bought a Latrell Sprewell, but I smartly, like the Latrell Sprewell uh, Timberwolves jersey. I'm like, I just kind of like it. Oh, yeah. Like, I love that um, early thousands uh, Timberwolves logo, that blue, the trimming and everything. And uh, I think they only got extra large. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'll grow into it. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's happening. Apart from my all soup diet from the uh, surgery. But here we are. Uh, boomers, Dave. So yeah, man. you actually had, basically, what was your show with Ronnie? During the, was it the Rio Olympics? <laughs> no, it was a world championship. World this championship. Was... There you go. So you were talking Mate. boomers with a noted Hollywood star, Ronnie Chang, all the time, right? Yeah, we, we've both gone on to it in different ways, mate. Um, let's, not, let's not analyze <laughs> where we've ended up. I think we've both gone really well. So let's just leave it at that. And um, I, yeah, Ronnie, okay, Ronnie talks about this. He's got tonal issues. Sometimes you think, are you being serious? Are you cracking jokes? And he sent me a message. Uh, a while ago now, maybe two years ago, and he goes, thanks for that experience on um, Double Dribble. It's really helped. And I was like, are you? You're winding me up. <laughs> what was 10 that? minutes so on was, ABC. Was it like 20? Yeah, it was 10 minutes on ABC2. I can't Maybe it was before the news or something like that. About Australia at the World Championships, if memory serves, I think it was in Turkey. Yeah. And, yep. I mean, World Championships, it's not like America puts their best foot forward for it. Why the ABC thought they would do this i'm not sure it was 10 minutes it's kind of supposed to be a funny poke at it but it took about eight and a half minutes to explain what's actually happening <laughs> it was maybe one joke at the end of it maybe um and uh yeah we just analyzed it so to actually see the olympics where the stakes are high and america gave a shit it was man it was great i mean mm. yes we all know the result and everything but the team was great mm. so good to watch and old yeah. maddie thibel Maddie. Aussie Matty T, I love him. I love him too much. Like this is, I'm like going to basically buy the entire stock of all the uh, Matty T uh, Boomers jerseys. Like, so what were you doing while you were watching these games? Like, what was your setup? Did you have? Were you like, all right, kids, it's seven thirty. <laughs> I'm on the couch. Just nah, just nah, 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 nah. See ya. Like, I was lucky enough to go. Oh, I'm working. I'm doing a live stream for every game. So I just sit in here and drink a million beers. <laughs> so pretty handy. And then old mate picks up the parenting slack. But how did you go watching it all? Yeah, man. I mean, we were in lockdown again. So, I mean, the whole thing with the Olympics, not just the basketball, 
leading up to it, I was cynical. I thought this is the last thing we need. God, can you imagine how hard it is for Japan, all these people coming across, they're going to bring COVID, all this yada, yada. Then it comes and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Sport <laughs> is what we need in our life and we need more of it. And so I'd be sitting on the couch and you're trying to be attentive on the game, but I'm texting everyone in sundry. Like I've got uh, my best mate growing up, Benny Duggan, shout out. He's, I'm texting him. I'm texting my neighbor from two houses across. Everyone knows obsessed with the NBA. I'm texting Pete Hellier because I know he loves watching it as well. I'm just te- like, we're just furiously slinging shit every which way. So the thumbs got a real workout during the games. But that, the bronze medal one, so good. So good. Yeah. The, in terms of, like, we actually talked about this last week, I think, with, um, you know, Tim Watts, MP, parliamentarian for Jellibrand out there in the West. Big fan of the show, also recurring guest and friend of the program. He said pretty much the same sort of thing, right? Just on the group texts, and they're just like flying thick and fast. And um, I asked him about his favorite moment, and we sort of both batted around a couple of ones, and then we end up landing on the first half of the USA game, where it like actually looked like we're in the semi against the USA, and so like, holy fuck! And then they sort of pulled it back at the end of the second quarter, but we still led. And uh, Tim was talking about, look, if you check his texts at that point, like, it was on. It was all over. Here we go. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, at least I was doing the live stream and you could just sort of see me going, just shitting my pants, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then, of course, it dropped uh, thunderously in that second half and they ended up beating us by 20. But still, I mean, what was your sort of – did you have a moment that just sort of sticks out beyond beyond maybe just the bronze medal game, which was awesome, but – was there anything else that you sort of remember that was all um, like just really sticks with you? Um, Dante Exum, as in, I really thought him coming off the bench and like, like he was arguably playing for an NBA contract. But I was like, man, this guy is good. Like I know, used in those limited capacities, he was giving all these fouls, but he was doing really tough defense. He's got long arms. He was just there were dunks where I was like, that's great because this is no slide on Dante. But he's because he's funny because he he equally looks athletic and not athletic. I don't know how he does it because he's kind of got a big caboose, but he's got long arms. And you're like, oh wait, he's getting up, he's getting up. And you know, his shot was knocking down. I really just loved watching Dante. I mean, it, admittedly, I watched his old man down at Geelong Supercats at the arena <laughs> when um, Cecil Exum used to rock up with a flat top. That, but if not the same possibly eclipsing Dominique Wilkins' lapped flat top of the late 80s. And so there was a bit of that nostalgia involved as well. I mean, I was really impressed with him. Yeah, he was like, um, I think, the shared terror every time Dante went up and did something radical. I think basically I I termed, I called him the, uh, the chaos engine, right? Like, let the chaos engine engage. He runs out there. You have zero fucking, he doesn't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. He drives to the hoop. He's either going to turn it over have an amazing dunk or like scoop layup or have a great pass. Or he's going to turn it over, collapse to the ground, gripping some part of his lower body. And like all of Australia yeah. was like, ah, fuck, here we go. And it was awesome. Like it was such a roller coaster watching him. But it was like the fact that he got out of it seemingly unscathed was also one of the most um, gratifying moments, I think, of this, right? Because like we've all sort of ridden for Dante since he was drafted and just like the injuries, the injuries, and he, we've never really got to see his just full uh, capacity. And it was amazing to actually watch him, like, be healthy and play that role. It was unreal. Yeah, man. And, I mean, our backcourt, which was Patty, uh, usually Delhi, but uh, who started 
Was it Thibel in the backcourt? I don't know. Matty T in started in the, uh, in the bronze game, yeah. Delhi, Delhi stepped aside. Yeah, and it was then to have Dante coming off the bench, I was like it was a really good combination of players to have a guy that's that long coming in and, you know, he's giving you all that energy. Yeah, man. Yeah. I um, I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, that first half you spoke about against America, it's like we were playing such good team basketball. It was almost this, wow, like they want to play as individuals, we're playing as a team, you know, it's it, <laughs> But then we forgot Kevin Durant's the greatest player in the world. Yeah, then we did realize that we did have Nick K, my best mate, uh, covering Kevin Durant. It's like, uh, look, he's going to stick with it. Oh, fuck. And, uh, like, we had Nick K on the show, like, just after the bronze medal game. And he was like, yeah, this is, like, I tried, you know, I tried to push him off his spots and move him around and play to the scheme, and it kind of worked, and then it didn't. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes when it's Kevin Durant. But I did love like the disrespect that we cop from the USA uh, around the entire tournament. And like the USA is very conflicted when it comes to Olympics and stuff like that because uh, of the dream team legacy, obviously. And then they sort of send this team over and so many of the USA folks is like, I don't even like this team. And then you get to watch our team. And I think everybody fucking fell in love with them, right? Like, cause it was such a great mix. As you said, Awesome backcourt. You've got old heads. You've got young heads. You've got athleticism. For probably, this is easily probably the most athletic team we've ever put out in a uh, major tournament. Like with Matty T, Dante, Josh Green, even the the big Reetha himself, Duop Reetha. Like it was pretty awesome to have that mix. Yeah, man. And then you've got USA yep. people going, oh, I can't believe. I can't believe that Team USA was losing those exhibition games to Australia. They're st- they've got some dude named Jock Landale playing for. Who's ever heard of him? And it's like, all right. And then, boom, Patty's out there dropping 42 in a bronze medal game, and uh, we finally get there. But do you think this changes perception of the boomers a little bit now for like places like the USA where maybe it's a little bit more serious? They have to take, like, teams like Australia. I mean, they've already learned from, you know, Argentina, Spain, etc. but I think they did come to the realization that the rest of the world is caught up. And like the USA is like, oh, they're still not as good. It's like, that's not the fucking point. We understand that you're still the best, but like the gap has now gotten a lot smaller. I reckon. And I mean, for better or worse, we've positioned the NBL in a place where, you know, we had, you know, we're the NBA rookie of the year, play the year beforehand. And making them starting to make these steps where maybe the NBL is the preference over college, which is to their own fault. <laughs> You're going to play. We don't have that system. You can be a 19 year old, you earn some cash. You arguably become a more well-rounded person because you live in way on the other side of the world. And our players are also like Dally. They play 10 years or whatever. They might come back to the NBL. They're not intimidated by these guys. They're not just in some, Oh my God, they're over there. I don't know this system. They're like, we all got coached by the same guys. Might be a different level, but then your commitment to the national team is so much higher because you said with the US, this is their off season. You're telling them what they'd prefer. Now, I know any Australian player would love an NBA finals um, ring. Sure. However, if you won gold for Australia, you'd never have to buy another beer for the rest of your life. (laughs) True. Like... Do you know what I mean? Like if, if any NBA players like, no, I'll take the world championship over any medal at the Olympics. It's not a priority for them. So that's will be, will always be our advantage. Yep. I love it. I mean, it also means that, um, so good, well, I think the next set of FIBAs, so the next world championship is, I think, Japan, uh, Taiwan, and the Philippines in 2023. And then you've got Paris, like right after that, 2024. 
And it does feel like um, this is nicely set up where you've got dudes like Patty, Jingles. Jingles might not be around there for 2024, who knows, but it does feel like this is a great bridging moment into like the next era of Josh Giddy and Dyson Daniels and dudes like that, the really young sort of guys. Josh Green, obviously. Aussie Matty T is only 24. And then, of course, the white whale, Ben Simmons. Like, if we can just pull it all together, 2024, like, watch out. I'm excited for this. And it felt like this was the first step we needed to take was to meddle. Now we've done it. Who knows what can happen next? I think even Paddy said it himself, right? Like, uh, this is now the standard. And it's like, that's kind of scary, but it's also warranted. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, maybe it's that situation <laughs> with Ben Simmons where, you know, confidence is low. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers. We can strike a deal where, you know, we'll get him to the Cairns type ends. And then uh, he gets there and we just, we just say, right, you're just – just focus on the boomers, mate. Uh, that's what we need from you at this point in You can time. be tutored by Nate Jawai and away we go. So um, <laughs> Outback Shack's got you back. Uh, so speaking of which, so we're all covered in the rose gold glory of the boomers, but obviously we talked about the white whale, Ben Simmons. The way this is going to go is we'll talk about this, Dave, and then, of course, overnight Australia time, uh, he'll be traded. So this will all be yeah, rendered completely moot. Uh, but he's, he's ignored media day. He's being fined. Even it came out this week that even his teammates were like, hey, Ben, we want to come out to LA and visit and say good day." And he's like, nah, I'm good. Fuck off. And they're like, oh, that's not nice. Shit. We might have hit the point where he's probably not going to play for the Sixers again, Dave. What do you mean? <laughs> like, he's already demanded a trade. Now he's told his teammates to get fucked. Like, I think that point... Uh, has well, you know, passed us where he's not going to play for the Sixers again. I do feel like, though, this is a little bit on him at this point, isn't it? Like, we get that they threw him under the bus after that last game of the uh, playoffs where they lose. He passes to Matisse under the bucket, etc., rather than dunking. But I feel like communication goes both ways at that point, where if you're they're your teammates, you've spent the last five, six years going, oh, they're my brother's. Joel's my brother, and he's just told his brother to go get fucked. That's fine, but at the same time, I feel like this could have been mended and now it can't. What do you reckon about Ben Simmons at the moment? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, you're playing in the best league in the world. He's a max player. Uh, you know, this isn't Dicky Leagues now. This isn't some semi-pro thing. Like, it's so strange he wouldn't shoot. I mean, there is nothing to compare it to. I think in the history of the NBA where you're just going, it's the main thing you do since you're a kid. Like imagine a footy player who's just like, I just don't really want to kick. And you're like, no, but you have to. It's like one of the core things that you have to do. And I can understand for Embiid and Doc Rivers because your livelihood is on the line. More so even for Doc. You're a coach. You don't get results. You get fired. So this guy, by Ben Simmons not wanting to shoot, he's like, I could literally, like, he's not going to go poor. However, you're like, I will lose my job if you don't do the single thing we're just asking you to do within reason. Like, and people say, oh, look at Jason Kidd. Like, he wasn't a great shooter. I'm like, yes, but he shot. He was willing to get better. Blake Griffin wasn't a good shooter, but he was willing to shoot initially to get better. Simmons won't even shoot. And I'm like, well, there is a glaring hole in it we've never seen before. And their reactions, although pointed, I was like, I could kind of justify him. Like, people, Australians were saying, oh, they shouldn't have thrown him under the bus. I'm like, man. It's so he's doing the thing that a multimillionaire like you need to do that. You need to try that. You need to attempt it. 
And so it's as much on him over this summer to get a jump shot as, yes, it was on him to go, I made mistakes. I can understand you guys said some stuff. Like, you've got to be mature about that. And he's like, no, I just can't go back there. I'm like, but you kind of can, Ben. Yeah. And (laughs) you can kind of just go, yeah, that was weird. Like, he has to pull a mea culpa. Whatever happens, if he does get traded, he still has to address the idea of going, yeah, I like – in a year, they'll go, why weren't you? Sh-? If he shoots well this year, they will still ask him, why weren't you shooting last year? That question will never go away, no matter. It doesn't matter if he plays for the Russian side in their national league. People will be like, why didn't you shoot back then? So he's going to have to address it. Why wouldn't you address it to your teammates in over a summer? Like, you can't tell me after a week if you're in the Bahamas with Joel, you'd be like, actually, you're right. Have some margaritas. Like, yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> You're right. No, you're all right. You're all right. And then and then you get back to it because he puts up those clips on Instagram. There's him shooting threes and everything that people say is like that he's he can shoot when the game's on. He has a weird mental thing of not being confident that he can. Yeah. And so so it's a mental thing he's got to overcome, but that won't go away if he's in a different jersey. Yeah, it's like it's not going to get easier if you get traded to Portland, Ben. You know, like people are still going to ask you about it and go, hey, man, are you going to shoot? Like Dame Lill, if you get traded for CJ McCollum, Dame Lill is not going to be like, nah, it's fine if you don't shoot. Just just do your thing, man. Like I'm not going to get on you. And then it's going to get to the playoffs. Portland get bundled out in the first round. Ben doesn't shoot a bunch of times. Dame's going to be like, ah, that was fine, Ben. Nah, it's good. Keep You do you. Like I don't get that. Like I feel like the easiest way for Ben to actually mend this and like everyone's like uh, criticised uh, the people who are giving him this advice, right? Like his uh, agents, which are uh, Clutch. Obviously, they look after LeBron and AD and everybody. And it's like, hey, man, we're going to look out for your brand and everything. I feel like it's in his best interest to return to Philly because it does feel like the most mendable kind of situation where they can go, look, we all sat down. We talked it out. We're all on the same page. Whereas this is just going to fucking follow you now, right? Like if you go to Houston, you go to Cleveland, Sure, there's not going to be that many people to give as much of a shit, but it's going to be easily, more easily fixable, I think, in Philly than anywhere else. But, I mean, it's communication. It's going to be willing to go both ways. It does seem like Joel and Doc, based on today's sort of conversations where Doc's like, yeah, I want him on my team. This is how it's going to go. And Ben's like, nah, I'm going to sit out until I get traded. It's going to be interesting to see how long Ben wants to do that and cut those checks to Philly. Instead of getting paid, he's giving money back. It's going to be a bit of a tough one. But I don't know. What do you I think? Know. What do you actually think happens? Mate, I, I agree with everything you had to say because, you know, cynical heads have said with because he's with Clutch, which is notoriously LeBron's management. And, uh, you know, again, more cynical brains always say that LeBron likes to build his narratives and make sure that oh, we know what's going on. I think it was a really – it was a fine narrative for him to come out and just be like, guys, I wasn't shooting. That was a glitch. I think the pressure of this and the modern athlete and people would be like, so good Ben Simmons talked about mental health issues and all these things. And he could have built this really good. He could have flipped it into kind of goodwill of saying, yeah, you're right. I guess we make mistakes. I am human. I'm going to try my best. We've got all this rather than going, it's not a thing. And then asking to be traded. The damage that seems like it's being done. I mean, you can always reverse it, I think, in any situation, basketball or not. He could still go, fair enough, and still come out and say, look, I'm going to be honest, it was too much. I'm a young man, never forget that. I'm going to make mistakes, yada, yada. But I don't think he is. So 
Who's he going to get traded to? What is it? I've had, yeah, Portland, Houston, San Antonio. San Antonio for the shooting coaches alone, whether Popovich can pull something out of him, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's not going to go away. So, and neither is that contract. I mean, so he's, there's a lot, there's possibly even more pressure on him now. Yeah. He's demanded a trade. He's got to prove he can shoot. And now I, I guess on top of that, he's probably got to prove to wherever he goes to, he can get success, if not more success than what the Sixers will get. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the idea of like, go, oh, cool. We'll, we'll give Ben his own team. We'll see what happens. Like send him to Houston, surround him with shooters. And it's like, the questions are still going to follow him. I'm like, hey, Ben, are you are you going to shoot? Like, what happens when we make the playoffs in three to four years or we're Houston? Five years, six years, who knows? Like, are we just going to be Jalen Green's team at that point? But, I mean, it's just going to follow him. It's kind of weird. And this combined with, like, the vaccination status of a bunch of the players is really just fucking depressing me, actually, going into this season. Like, the start of every season should be way more fun than it feels right now because it's like Kyrie going, hey, man, it's everyone's personal fucking choice. Um, it's a private matter. It's like, it's not a private matter, Kyrie. If you get COVID and give it to your strength and conditioning coach and he dies, you know? Like, because you're unvaccinated, you've put other people at risk, you're fucking killing me. And it's just like this entire sort of start to the season is really bumming me up. And it'd be really cool if Ben Simmons would just get traded so I could stop thinking about all the other stuff at the moment, I think. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie's it's so strange. Like last year when he just took a couple of weeks off because he was like, yeah, I feel like it. And I'm like, you can't you can't do that if you're on a salary, man. You can't – if you're working at KPMG, you can't just be like, I just figured two weeks would be good. It's like, cool, well, you've got to put it in for the leave. You can't – it was just – he was just like, I've got to get things right. It's like, yeah, and you've also got to communicate that like an adult. You can't just bail and then explain afterwards, oh, yeah, I just felt like it. Like, I get it. We all need breaks. I completely understand that. These weird things of not acting like an adult, and then on top of that, you're a multi-multi-millionaire, so people's sympathy for you wherever your head's at. And I get it. Kyrie sometimes does that. People forget I'm a human. Yeah, you are a human. But humans have responsibilities. (laughs) And like you're saying, I mean, this is a whole conversation about vaccinations. It's like, yeah, it's not just you. It's your responsibility for other people. Your teammates, um, the people around the team, uh, your their families, etc. It's like you can be uh, all about you and your brand if you want to be, but like it's kind of weird otherwise. Actually, that sort of brings me back just to one last point about Simmons. Ben, with the trade request, and then sort of, I don't know, it brought me back to the, uh, like these situations have gotten harder for players and stuff like that, I think in the last like 10, 15 years, right? Because everyone's a brand, all that dumb bullshit and they just want to look cool. And obviously Ben is doing nothing but posting pictures of his Rari, him getting into the Rari, loading up his Rari, dunking in traffic. It's like, Ben, we know you can dunk. We've seen you do that. We just want to see you hit a fucking free throw, mate. But otherwise, that's fine. I don't know. Like, they want to look cool. I feel like something that's cool is trying to fix a busted relationship with your team. Because it brings me back to Kobe, like in 2007, when he was like, I want out. I'm fucking done here in LA. The team sucks. I'm sick of Smoosh Parker. I fucking hate Kwame Brown. Fuck all yours. And he was basically, he basically demanded trades and the Lakers were like, nah, fuck you. We'll just make the team a bit better. Like Jerry Buss hung out with him, got him shit faced probably a couple of times. He probably went to the Bahamas and, you know, did a Joel Embiid and just went, ah, Kobe, let's just go <laughs> hang out. It'll be fine. But it convinced him. Yeah. That it's like, no, 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 look. 
there's value in staying with the team because we'll help you and we'll do what we what we can. And they did. They won two more titles, like nine and ten. Meanwhile, Ben just like, nah, they were mean to me. Fuck them. I'm not even going to talk to them again. It's like Ben having a sook this in like this much of a sook in public. Is there any other way that he could have approached this that would have made Australians like not like him even more? Like this is where it's sort of like after the no show for the boomers. Now he's like public having publicly having a massive sook. If there's one thing Australians fucking hate, it's going to be someone having a sook while making 35 million bucks a year. It makes me wonder, because I know for a fact after watching his old man, Dave Simmons came across like all imports do in the NBL where they're like, wow, we've got an import. They're always their school level was so much higher than obviously local talent, especially in the late 80s and early 90s. And then Dave Simmons made sacrifices on his game because they had gays, Copeland and Bradkey. They were the big three. It was him and Giddy, ironically, who they've had... <laughs> They both had sons that are now multi, multi-millionaires. So the sacrifice work, guys. But Dave made sacrifice to become a rebounder, a defender. He did all those things. I'm sure it wasn't part of his dream to make it to Australia. And But he would have, it seems like a guy who would have appreciated coming over here. He got to be a pro basketballer. He probably got looked after really well because he played in the era when the NBL was arguably at its peak. You know, he did all those things. And now your son where you're like, man, you're living out my dream but turning it into a nightmare. You need to, you're right, you need to do certain things that he fully did in his career. His father did it. And it's like, man, you just do that. Your ego is only something that you, uh, that, that is a slight to you. Mm. It's only in your head that those guys are under the bus, but you can see the inciting incident, which was you not doing the thing. <laughs> You've obviously got a glitch in your brain over. That's your thing. I'm not blaming you, but that's why they were frustrated. Yeah, And and so there's that responsibility and you're right. The money only compounds it, but you're like, what? Like, I wonder where his dad is at going, Ben, what are you? It'll be okay, mate. It's fine to say sorry. Yeah. It doesn't make you any less of a man. Yeah. It's not like you're blameless in this entire thing. Cause remember just the lasting image of uh, Ben in Philly will be like him passing the ball under the hoop to Matisse and then Matisse getting fouled. So he gave up two points. So Matisse could go one of two from the free throw line. You're killing me. But either way, uh, Patty goes to Brooklyn. Are you excited about this? I mean, with actually the flip side of Kyrie not being vaccinated means that he might not be able to play any home games. So we might just get a shit ton of Patty burn, which might be incredible for Brooklyn. Um, what do you reckon? I mean, this kind of leads into uh, who you like this season and like the way Brooklyn have sort of constructed this roster. If you've got a healthy Durant and healthy Harden, you're obviously going to go far. But adding dudes like Patty and obviously keeping Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap. They bring back LaMarcus Aldridge from retirement after he's like, nah, my dick is fine. Off we go. Patty, can he win another title? What do you reckon? Man, I think because Harris just choked during the finals. I mean, you know, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league and he went ice cold in the worst possible time when they needed the help. Uh, and Durant, it just put more Ks on Durant and his joints. And I think Patty doesn't shy away from those moments as we saw in the Olympics. And I actually think then, yeah, if like Patty would have been the difference in that Durant played unbelievably against the Bucks. Like it was, everyone said it. It's like they lost, but you're like, yeah, that wasn't his fault. He went, it was superhuman. But if they had Patty, who was actually knocking down some threes, I'm like, I feel sorry for Harris. It was just not, I don't know what happened. Yeah, it was a tough series. He'd know better than me. <laughs> it was brutal. Tough series. Yeah. But then 
you get you, you can at least sub him out. You put Patty in, could be a difference. Yeah, at least this. Uh, I think we mentioned this with Tim last week as well. Like this also opens up the door for Patty just to hang out with Kyrie and go, Kyrie. I mean, it says Australia on your passport. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying we can get you a t-shirt. We're getting you in a Cobra. Come on, let's make this happen. 2024. You got Jock Landale going to San Antonio. Do you have a Jock <laughs> Landale jersey on the way as well, Dave? What do you reckon? Or, or do you just appreciate the San Antonio one Aussie in, one Aussie out uh, apparent rule that they've now got, right? So they've gone gaze, they've gone heel, they've gone patty, they've now got jock. I love it. Yeah, man. I uh, I just reckon Popovich knows that you get international players and they're going to turn up and go, how sick is this? What do you want me to do? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like it's the opposite. That's why I think it hurts so much with Ben Simmons. Like every other Aussie's like, what do you want me to do? I'm fine with it. I'm just happy to be here. Do you, know, do you know the exchange rate on my pay? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, manager I'm somehow o- also getting JobKeeper. Man- I don't know how it's happening. Manager Nobly didn't know what Pop was saying for years. He's just like, I'm happy to be here. Like the exchange rate back in Argentina is fucking astronomical. This is great. Yeah. I'll pass the ball. All I'm, hearing, all I'm hearing is pesos. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't know what else he's saying. I love it. But like, <laughs> what are you most excited about for this NBA season? I mean, LA, they turn Kuzma and Co into Rusty. Like LeBron, Westbrook, and AD, it's kind of funny, but it feels like the West is loaded, the East is loaded. And I talked about, you know, the vaccination status shit just annoying me. But then I think about how good this season could be and I get excited again. So I don't know, what what stands out to you? How does Westbrook coexist with LeBron is very interesting because I know Westbrook is the most divisive player in the league. And my theory always is with OKC... It's not a slide on him. I think he's an amazing player, but I think he's also like Alan Iverson. You've got to surround him. He doesn't surround other people. And I reckon with OKC, if they'd traded him for Chris Paul and you had Chris Paul, James Harden, and Durant, that's like four championships. But there's neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, now with him and LeBron. But also is LeBron happy to take a bit of a back seat because he's older now? Uh, is Will he allow himself to do that? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to Brooklyn. I mean, they were painted as the kind of with the black caps. You know, they were kind of like the most hated team and we kind of do hate super teams, but I'm excited to see them all. And that's probably the patty factor as well. Um, yeah, I kind of, it, it's going to be a really interesting season and whether <laughs> with, whether Giannis is just gone, that'll do. <laughs> now he's, maybe the pressure, is that going to be a good thing or is it going to be a bad thing? He works really hard. So, I mean, I can only assume he's going to come back and try and, Go back to back. But, yeah, man, and whether my lovable Knicks, whether they were a flash in the pan or they really are going to nix it up and just be shit again. The Knicks thing is fascinating, right? Because, like, I sort of mentioned about the East versus the West. Like, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, uh, Atlanta, Indy, Miami, Chicago, the Knicks. There you go. There's, like, eight teams right off the top of my head who were pretty good, right, in the East, which is awesome. The Knicks get yeah, Kemba. They've got a couple of extra little bits and bobs. They've got Fournier, the uh, old don't Google me, Evan Fournier. Seriously, Dave, don't Google him. The, um, but I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. Julius Randle, I want to see more RJ Barrett. I mean, what what has you psyched about the Knicks team? I mean, Randle, that was a tough series, man. He kind of disappeared as well. Speaking I was like, about Joe oh. Harris, Joe Harris going, going missing, like Randle, the same thing happened against fucking Atlanta. Oof. Man, it's always been the thing because, I mean, he would – and always with the Knicks, everything looks better on the Knicks. Like some guy, 
you know, I remember Aman Shumpert, they're like, he's the future. I'm like, this guy can't start in most other teams. <laughs> and that's the thing with Randall. It's like you look at him going, wow, he can, when he's good, he's got enough brute strength to take smaller guys down low. He's got enough shooting talent to take bigger guys out. But then when he's shit, he looks like the tweener that he was when he came in. Where you're like, actually, I don't think he's tall enough. Yeah. And what's he really going to depend on? What's his go-to move when things are turning to shit? So I just don't know, man. I honestly just do not know. I mean, um, uh, what's his name? Our Canuck. Uh, who's a Canadian? Uh, Barrett. RJ Barrett, yeah. Look, he's yeah. so much hinges on him he's actually great. being good, right? Yeah, man. And I actually, I think... He really proved it from his rookie season to his second season. I was like, wow, this guy's legit and he works hard. And I'm really excited about him. So probably more so than Randall. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> They're the it, Knicks, man. It feels, it's like- it feels like such a weird – because it's Kemba, Fournier, RJ, Julius, and then you've got Nerlens Noel or Mitch Robinson, the other Mitch Robinson. And it feels like a yeah. very Knicks team where it's like, wow, that looks pretty good. And then – you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, though. Like, I actually want to – like, I love it when the Knicks are good. It's always fun. I've got Knicks fans, mates. They all get it all up and around it, and it's amazing when – obviously when MSG's rocking, as we saw in the playoffs. But it does – like, it would be the Knicksiest thing in the world if Kemba Walker's knee is just done. Like, it's Allen Houston 2.0 kind of vibes, you know? Well, it hopes, Thibodeau, I think he's learnt. I mean – it's funny because Derek Rose keeps following him around and it must just be, he's just a constant reminder of Thibodeau. It's just been like, oh, I could have paid, played him 29 minutes a game. I could have like. Why did I keep and, him in that blowout? Why? Why? Man, but he does it to everyone. So whether he's going to do that to Kemba, but I guess if you've got Rose and Kemba, kind of interchangeable. So maybe you can split their minutes and they'll get it through. Because I thought with Boston, it was a good pickup once they lost uh, Kemba, because uh, once I lost Kyrie, because I think Kemba was a better locker room guy. But then you're like, when you're watching him late in the season, you're like, oh, this guy's 5'11 with crook legs. <laughs> it's, he's got skills, but it's a, it's a he's scene. a liability. It's a rough scene. Yeah. Uh, so who's your, who's your pick for the finals, like just off the top of your head? Who do you reckon, like can Milwaukee go back to back? Like what do you reckon? Who wins the East? Who wins the West? Man, I do reckon it's, it's – I'm not stating anything no one else has, but it's probably Brooklyn, LA. Like, I just can't – I know they're the big teams. I mean, injury barring, but especially with Brooklyn, I think now they would have uh, – actually, yeah, they're such a good side, but <laughs> you're right. Maybe they should just get rid of Kyrie and then everything else will be dickety-boo. Really hardcore player. Uh, was it, you know, management? It's just like, we'll just play every – Away game and away we go. That'd be awesome. It's like we're just managing it. It's just <laughs> here we go, boom, done. Uh, really hardcore, extreme player management. I'm here for that. Yeah, Brooklyn, LA. Like you know that you and Adam Silver would love to see that. So we're probably going to get it. Yeah. Like Adam Silver got Milwaukee Phoenix last year. You better believe he's either going to have the Knicks versus LA or Brooklyn versus LA. And that's so true. Going to make and his then- money back. And then just Brooklyn hopes that Game Seven isn't at home, so they can have Kyrie. They're just hoping it's at the Forum. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Ah, uh, have you got an MVP pick? Oh wow, um, that's a really good question. I mean, Patty, but then uh, also, um, look, the argument's there that there's the only one, only person who could stop FIBA Patty 
from also being NBA Patty was actually Greg Popovich. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's so true. Um, MVP, that's a really good question, man. Um, I'm feeling, I mean, yeah. I'm feeling Luca because oh, yeah. we talked this one out last week. Luca probably has the worst second banana of any of the other probably prime MVP candidates because LeBron, even though the narrative will be there, he does have Rusty and AD and he might not play enough. Uh, the Nets have all got each other, which will probably cancel each other out a little bit at least because you saw the narrative turn on Harden towards the end of last season where it's like, he could never win the MVP. Look what he did to Houston. And then it's like, oh, but he's pretty fucking good, hey? Oh, yeah. jeez. Whereas like Miami, that's like a uh, collision of like, you know, Jimmy Butts, bam, big booty car Lowry, Dame and CJ. Dame's probably never going to get out of that. Steph, if he carries the Warriors... Until Clay gets back January, February, and they're actually like a legit contender. He's right there. Yeah. What did he average? Like 32 points a game last year. If he's doing that again and he's age fucking 33 or whatever and they still make the playoffs and they're like a top four seed, Steph's a good one. But I feel like Luca is the one where it's like all they've got is a bunch of role players and Porzingis. And we all know that Porzingis has been pretty ass for the last couple of years. He's never healthy. And if Luca does what he's been doing, it seems like a pretty uh, pretty easy one for me. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Nicola, all that, you know, if, if Denver makes it to the finals, which I'm trying to think, when do they call the MVP now? I can never remember. Regular season one. But, you know, it might be one of those things of like the Steve Nash thing where they go, oh, he had a better season of shit, I guess, than we have to, do we? So, I don't know. I just can't see the Joker going back to back. Like, even if he's that good, like Embiid, if they do trade Simmons... And Embiid is just like fucking Shaq 2021, like transplanted kind of vibes, and he could win it. So I feel like Luca and Embiid are the obvious yeah. ones. Um, joke, maybe Giannis, maybe he just goes, fuck it. I just fucked around and won a title. I'm going to just lay waste to everybody this time and do it again. And everyone goes, oh, well, we were idiotic for not giving it to him last year. Maybe, because, I mean, yeah, I think the monkey would be off his back. And that last game, it was like he did everything that people thought he couldn't. He's hitting all these free throws. He's doing all this shit. <laughs> Maybe now when the pressure's off, he's just playing like a champ. So, I don't know, man. But, um, but yeah, we're back. Finally, after three and a half minutes break from the <laughs> NBA and basketball, yeah. we are finally back. Literally got me, what, two weeks of recovery time from the surgery, and then I'm literally straight back into it. So, good job, Adam Silver. <laughs> Going to make that money. All right, Dave, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming back on NBA Australia. We're going to uh, have to give you a T-shirt as a uh, friend of the program and recurring guest. And, uh, you know, it's been awesome just having Troy from Apple Mid Bogan on the show again. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. 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 A, man, a man who grew up in Geelong talking to a man who grew up in Ballarat. We all, we've all met Troy before. We've all met Troy. <laughs> Some of us are Troy, basically. Nice one. All right, Dave, thanks. Oh, thanks heaps, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. This is Chris Anstey, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, what did I tell you? That was awesome. It's always such a good hang. Uh, basically, as mentioned, it was just a lot of dad strayer, but that's fine. But also a lot of comedy stuff. I am a uh, giant comedy nerd. I love it. And just always having a chat to Thorno is always really fun. So uh, go check out his Instagram and all that sort of stuff. As mentioned, it's basically the funniest shit you'll see these lockdowns. It's just how it goes. Uh, but otherwise, go follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facey, all that sort of shit. Uh, and that's it. 
Huge thanks to Thorno. That was great fun. Now, NFL Australia is cracking along weekly at the moment. Gaz and I talking shit about the NFL season. World Wrestling Australia. Adam is out there crushing it at the moment. There's so much going on in the world of wrestling. Adam's all over it. Go check it out on YouTube. World Wrestling Australia. And NFL Australia, you can get it from uh, wherever you get this show. Basically, remember, chuck us all the rating and uh, review. You know? Five stars or fuck off, mate. <laughs> review it as well. Jimmy is a mad dog, but I love him. Uh, right, we also have new t-shirts. I promised these last week. They are up. They are available to buy. The rose gold nickname t-shirts. You can buy them on, uh, what, NBAstro.com, on the facey, whatever. Go check it out. They're fucking legendary. They're so nice. <laughs> I splurge. Uh, every time I do merch, I get a uh, nicer type of T-shirt. So just remind, remember that because you'll wear the shit out of it is what I'm trying to say. Uh, what else? The DailyLiquor.com. Go there. Use the code STRAY. Get a free six-pack if you're in Melbourne. Uh, don't get the Rona during this locky D by going to the bottle Get the bottle to come to you. Use the code STRAY. Get a free six-pack at thedailyliquor.com. Download Knowable from your app store. Bang in the code STRAY. Get 20% off there as well. And big thanks have to go to... From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Go check out their new band, House Hats. Their, their album, Running Out of Time's Out Now. A big thanks also go to Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinator, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Shadow, Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all. Bandcamp, Triple J on Earth, Facey, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands, and so should you. Uh, that's about it for this week. We're going to be doing way more uh, season preview stuff as of next week. It's going to be absolutely cracking. So we've got the top 25 of the uh, NBA Australia rank, and we'll have the first of our power rankings, basically, the preseason power rankings. The way we usually do it is uh, the watchability scale, where it's like, do you give a fuck about these dudes? Is it going to be fun? Let's have a look. So either way, it's going to be really fun. I always love doing season previews. Getting psyched. All right. So we'll catch you next week, you dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And, of course, if you're in Lucky D, you need someone to talk to, I'm always here. Thank us a message. I've got nothing better to do. It's all good. All right. See you next week. Later, Cooking with Beans is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for everyone's favorite Aussie cooking show. It is Cooking with Bainsy with your host, Aaron Bangers Bains. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down, you lot. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, g'day, g'day. Oh, welcome to Cooking with Bainesy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Bains, eh? So, look. All right, settle down over there. <laughs> oh, look at you on your Margaret. All right, so in this here episode of Cooking with Bainesy, we're going to fang up one of my absolute favourite Australian dishes, one that's absolutely perfect for a night in or if you're having mates over. It is that absolute Aussie staple, bloody shrimp pad thai. That's right, pad thai is probably top five Aussie dishes all time, mate. I, I cook them at least twice a week. It's full of all the good stuff you need to keep up a physique like this one. <laughs> there we go. Lots of protein and noodles and everything. It's bloody perfect. So, 
All you need to do. It's bloody simple, mate. You go down to your soupy, you grab some pad thai noodles, some veggie oil, a thing of garlic, a couple of eggs, a bit of soy sauce, a lime, some brown sugar, a thing of fish sauce, a red chili, a bunch of spring onions, a bunch of coriander or cilantro, as these yanks call it over here, and like a handful of unsalted peanuts. Right, and then you go over to your fishmonger as well, as well Vasily is my bloke, and get a big bag of prawns and get him to shell them for you. You don't need the shells, mate. Come on, get rid of them. All right, so get all that and let's get started. All right, so you cook your noodles in a pot of boiling water for about 10 minutes. Then you drain them and chuck them over there. Then you bang two teaspoons of the veggie oil in your pan. Now you slice up and cook a clove of the garlic in, a, in there. Chuck that in there. There you go for a couple of minutes. And on the side, whisk up two eggs. There you go. Whisk them up all nice and smooth. Yeah, there you go. Now bang them in there. Just chuck them in that. Oh, look at that go. And when they're cooked, put them aside as well. And then in a bowl, you mix up your one and a half teaspoons of soy sauce, your two tablespoons of lime juice, your two tablespoons of sugar, a teaspoon of your fish sauce, and about half of your red chili. All chopped up. Look at that. Nice. Chuck that all in there together and mix that all up in your bowl. Now cook your prawns. Just chuck them on there. You can probably cook them on your barbie if you want, but just put them in a pan. Doesn't matter. Now while you're doing that, grab a tin while they cook. Don't be a Nancy. And just wait until they're done. Oh, look at them cook. Oh, that is a beaut, isn't it? So once they're all done and cooked, pour all that sauce into your skillet with the scrambled egg bit. Then chuck your noodles in and toss her around just to coat everything up. Sprinkle your spring onions that's all chopped up and your coriander and your peanuts. Just chuck them on top, toss her around a bit, and bam, you're done. Unbloody believable. Chuck a lime wedge on top of that, a bit of a cilantro or coriander along the top, and Bob is your bloody uncle, mate. Voila. Bam, you're done. An absolute bloody pearl of a pad thai. And look, you can fucking chuck chicken and shit in there as well if you want, but I go with the traditional Aussie recipe of prawns. And all right, how easy was that? That is an absolute... Beautiful looking batch of pad thai that your missus and the family will love. Now I reckon I'm going to go get stuck into these, eh? And uh, you know what? That's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy.